Tomorrow's Valentine's Day, right? Um, and so, man, this, uh, you're gonna have a couple hours after service to run by Walgreens, pick something up for your wife. That, that's my plan. Hopefully, it's not your plan, too. Um, but uh, because of that, um, the next two weeks, I wanna talk about love, but not relational love. I wanna talk about something else. But speaking of love, have you ever been in a relationship where you or the other party's not like completely devoted to it? Like you're not committed? And so, when we're in those situations, uh, something happens, right? Um, there's, um, there's a lot of trouble. There's um, a lot of discontentment. There's a lot of missed expectations when we don't devote ourselves fully to the other person. And so love is one of those things that we have to continue to grow in and we have to continue to pursue. And when we're talking about our walk, our recovery, our faith, right? Love's like a big deal. Like God is, he's defined as love, right? And, and I love this. It's in Matthew 22, 34 through 36. And, and here Jesus is, and he had just been confronted by some Sadducees and then the Pharisees come up and both groups were really trying to, to corner Jesus and to trick him. And he says this in Matthew 22, verse 34. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses. And so there's some things to kind of get from their culture at the time. One, they had the 10 commandments. And if you, you know, grew up in the eighties and nineties, you've probably seen the Charleston Heston movie, you know, where, you know, came down off Mount Sinai, stone tablets. That was about all I knew of, of faith. Like when I was younger, up until my twenties. Um, but here's something else to consider outside of the 10 commandments, they had over 600 other laws they had to follow too, too which we called the oral Torah. And so here they are, they're presenting Jesus with this question. Out of the, the hundreds of laws, the hundreds of commands, the hundreds of expectations for us, which do you deem to be the most important? And the reason this is a tricky question is because you couldn't put one command of God over the other, right? And so they're expecting him to be cornered and trapped with this. But, but Jesus counters and he quotes something out of Deuteronomy, I believe it's 6, 5. Um, but he says this, Jesus replied, you must love, say love, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the, great, the first and greatest commandment. And so Jesus lays this out. Next week, we'll talk about the, the equal to, the second part of that. But tonight, we want to focus on this where Jesus lays it out. You must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, right? Um, in Deuteronomy and some other translations, it uses strength, right? It's kind of like just with everything that you have, that's the expectation, with everything you have. And so tonight's message is titled this, Hold Nothing Back. Because when it comes to loving God, we don't wanna hold anything back, right? We want, we wanna pursue him 100%, 110%, right? With everything. And when we're talking about love God, it's not like you might love a cheeseburger or love your dog or, or something like that, right? It's a different type of love. Actually, the word translated here is agape. And this type of love, it's translated, um, it means sacrificial and unconditional. Sacrificial and unconditional. And that's an extreme kind of love, right? There's a lot of things I love in this world. I've been really um, satisfying myself a lot with, uh, with an orange float, right? I take some cream soda, orange sherbet ice cream. It's delicious. Cherries, my wife's been getting on my case about it a lot lately. Um, and I have, a, I have a love for that. I mean, it's just great. Um, but that's not the kind of love that, that we're called to pursue God with. Again, it's unconditional, Unconditional, it's sacrificial. It means this, actively doing what the Lord prefers. I want you to hear that. Actively 
doing what the Lord prefers. That's the type of love where we begin to set down our will, our desires, and we begin to look at God and say, what would you have me to do, right? I don't know about you, but I don't really love a lot of people that way or things that way, right? I mean, I, I have a hard time. I wanna pursue my own will, my own desires. And so the expectation here is so much greater than anything that we can compare it to here and now. I mean, the closest thing would be a spouse, right? Or maybe a child, but, but we're called to something even greater than that here. It's, it, again, it's, it's doing what the Lord prefers. And I love the second part, with him. Say with him with him, by his power and his direction. It's a love for God where you lay down everything, sacrifice everything, you pursue God with him. You're journeying with him. He, he's, he's on this, this journey and, and headed to the destination by your side, leading you, guiding you, directing you. You're fully submitted. That's the type of hold nothing back love that we're talking about when we talk about love God with everything. And again, this is the first greatest commandment according to Jesus. And it's a place that we fail so often in life, in recovery, because when we begin to look at the things we struggle with, oftentimes it's pride or thinking that we know better, not the type of sacrificial love God is expecting, that, that when we love God, maybe like, I love those floats, you know? Like, I just, I really want it in my life. I really enjoy its presence, but, you know, I could do without it too. That's how we... That's how we approach our faith and, and our recovery so often, right? As long as it's suiting us in this moment, as long as it's not too, too difficult, too hard, then, then we're all for it. But the moment that we're confronted, where we have to maybe give up something we don't wanna give up, the moment that we have to sacrifice or the moment it gets difficult or painful or any of those things, we say, yeah, I'm good for now. I'll come back when you're convenient. I'll come back when it's easier. I'll come back when, when maybe people aren't challenging my beliefs as much as they are or questioning the direction of my life. I'll come back and I'll love God then. Or, or maybe I'll just love bits and pieces of what he has to offer for me. But, but God's calling us to do something so much more than that. It's, it's an everything type of pursuit. And until we get that, we continue to struggle in sin, we continue to struggle in addiction. We continue to have strongholds in our lives where we feel like we've hit a wall and we can't grow any more than, than, than to the place that we're at. And we have to learn again to be unconditional. It means actively doing what the Lord prefers, going with him, submitting everything to him. And so when it comes to this type of love, when it comes to this type of love, where does it come from? Because I don't know about you, Love wasn't something that was just naturally abundant in my life. There was a season where I struggled to love myself. I struggled to love everyone and everything around me. And I didn't sure could not and did not love a God that, that I'd never physically interacted with. So, so where does it come from? Point number one is this. It begins with the cross. It begins with the cross. When we're talking about this type of love, it begins with the cross. And I wanna share with you out of Romans. Romans chapter five is what we're gonna be in for just a moment. And we're gonna look at where does this type of sacrificial love come from? Where does this type of attitude come where we can hold nothing back and lay it all out on the table for him to deal with and to address? And in Romans five, verse three, it says this, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us to develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. And that's kind of, 
It's kind of an odd thing to read, right? We can, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. But you know, the truth of the matter is if I had never struggled in life, I don't think I would have ever submitted to Jesus. If I'd never had a difficulty in any of my days, I wouldn't have been motivated to turn to somebody who could help me. If I, if I was convinced that I had it all together like I was for so long, then I never would have arrived at this place where I had a confident hope in salvation. And so it goes on, it says, and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. And so as we're going through this, as we begin to submit ourselves to Jesus upon salvation at the cross, because of the work of Jesus, we receive the spirit of God. And that spirit of God begins to have a fruit of love in our lives. Again, the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And so this type of devotion, this type of sacrifice, it begins at the cross when, when we receive that, when that work has began in our lives. And it goes on and it says, when we were utterly helpless, when we were utterly helpless, it's unable to do anything for ourselves. I journeyed 30 years of my life unsubmitted to Christ. And I was utterly helpless each of those years, unwilling to save myself, convinced that I could, convinced that I would, that I would get it all together. But I had to realize this, that I was utterly helpless absence of, absent of Jesus, absent of Christ, that there was nothing I could do. We were utterly helpless. Christ came at just the right time. Say right time. Just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright, upright person, though someone might, be, uh, might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God, say but God. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That again, this love, it's grown, it's produced by the work of Jesus, by what he's done in our lives, by how he's moved in our lives, in our situation, that it's a response to. Our love for God doesn't save us, but because God has saved us, we, we have this response inside of us. We have the ability to love him back and to pursue him. And I love it, it's, it's while we're still sinners. It's, it's one of those things, if you're anything like me, you, you struggle with the whole concept of being worthy for God's love and being worthy of being saved. And it's this thing you go back and forth with. It, I, I don't deserve God's grace. You're right, you're right, you don't. I didn't either, none of us did. That, that's not, <laughs> Jesus didn't come to save us, those that were righteous or, or in good standing and, and or those that loved him already or pursued him. No, he came for the broken, for the sinners, for the utterly helpless. And he came at just the right time to pick us up out of the depths of hell or despair or addiction or brokenness or loneliness or whatever it was. And in that moment, begin to move in your life. And then because of that, you encounter his Holy Spirit. And because of that, you begin to have the ability to love sacrificially, to pursue God, holding nothing back. And so the type of love that God's seeking, it, it, it begins at the cross. It begins at that moment when we realize and understand and comprehend and accept what Jesus did for us. And until we do that, 
we're still utterly helpless. We're still stuck. We're still operating this inability to love God the way that we should. And so we come to that realization of what he really did. And maybe you're not in the camp of feeling like you were never good enough for God's love. Maybe you're in the camp of feeling like you deserved it. You're gonna be just as trapped. You're still utterly helpless until you realize, again, that none of us were worthy of God's grace. None of us. We've gotta arrive at that point that, that I was broken, I was defeated, I was without hope, and he offered me hope. And in that moment, we can begin to appreciate what he's done and begin to experience the love of God that's placed in our lives, in our heart, in our being by the Holy Spirit. And so a sacrificial love with God, for God begins with salvation and a realization of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. How is this love developed? Point number two is this, it's developed through intimacy. That's a closeness that then until we begin to, to allow God to, to be our, our Lord, to, to be our, our Father, to, to be close and, and a part of, of every area of our lives, that, that love can't grow. That, that we've got to, to move towards him in every area of our life. We have to begin to submit things to him. I know this, that um, when, when I first got married, there was a lot of things I held on to. Um, I, was, I was incredibly broken. I'm still incredibly broken, but much more so in the beginning of my marriage. And because of that, I had walls up. There was things that I placed in my life and I placed in, in our relationship that, that kept my wife at, at arm's length and, and kept her at a distance. And there, there was things that, that she had too. There was brokenness in her life and there was things that caused her to have walls up. And because of that, even though we, we loved each other, we did and we pursued each other, those first couple years of our marriage, it wasn't where it should be. We didn't experience the type of relationship that God intended for us to. And, and so because of that, every time one of us did something wrong, we automatically put the other person in this adversarial point, this place, right? That, that we began to get real defensive. That, that if we got in an argument, every argument for two years felt like it was the end of our marriage, no matter how big or how small, because we lacked intimacy, and because we lack that intimacy, that trust, because we lack that, that we were never fully devoted to one another. And it wasn't until we dealt with that, that, that our love, that our pursuit for one another grew in a tremendous way. And I can't remember the exact fight in the exact moment, but I kind of remember the time that, that we had an argument and it didn't feel like the end, Right? It was such a beautiful thing that, that we were able just to kind of come to each other with our brokenness and say, I'm such an idiot. And she's like, I'm an idiot too. And, and we just moved on and, and operated in forgiveness. And it was brought about in this intimacy. And I want to share with you, I want to share with you out of uh, James, James chapter four. And so it begins with this. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And so what, what, what he's speaking of here 
is this, this thing that we all deal with, that as we come into our relationship with Jesus, right, there's, there's a moment, there's an emotion uh, almost all of us have experienced, right? Maybe a tear rolled down your cheek during a worship song and, and you realized for the first time that you were saved and it was all touchy-feely and that was great. And then you went home and you continued to act like a dirt bag and live for the world, right? But that wasn't, that wasn't the type of love God was asking for. That was, that was an emotion that you experienced one time. And then you based your whole walk off of that. And you continued to pursue those moments. I need, I need the better worship experience. I need, I need that, that real emotional moment. I need that tear again so I know that God's close. But, but like the writer's talking about here, that, that we pursue the wrong things. And we, we make it all about us. We make it all about the things of this world. And that's not the kind of thing that creates that intimacy that God's looking for. Again, loving God with everything is sacrificial. It's unconditional. It's going with him, setting everything down, not looking for an emotional moment and not looking for things of the world to fulfill the whole that only God can fill. And he goes on, he says, you adulterers. You what? You cheaters, right? You people that claim to love me but put other things ahead of me. How many of us have been guilty of that? That's not an intimacy. That's not a closeness. That continues to to cause trouble in our relationship with God. And if that's not right, you continue to have trouble in your relationship with people. You continue to have difficulties in recovery, overcoming whatever stronghold the enemy's placed in your life because you're cheating on God with things of this world. You're, You're putting other things ahead of him at every turn. And there's a war waging on, raging on inside of you that, that God's already overcome. He's given you the victory over it, but you refuse to pursue him with everything. You're still holding back. You're still holding on to things of this world, unwilling to submit. And I get it. For so long, again, I've been a part of this church for 11 years. I've only, I've only been submitted to, to Jesus for six. And the first five I was so terrified that I was gonna miss out on something. And so I held on to my Monday to Saturday, right? I showed up and I loved God and I pursued him for emotional experiences for five years on Sunday. And then I went and did everything I wanted to do the rest of the time. And I wondered like, God, why aren't you moving? God, why aren't you fixing me? God, why aren't you answering my prayers? God, where are you? What's going on here? And God's just like, I'm not the problem. Like you, you've got to get it together. You've, you've got to love me with everything. You've got to pursue me. He says, you adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy with God? That if we're not going to be intimate with God and close to God and love him with everything, that makes us friends of the world and that makes us at odds with God. That, that he's on the other side. He's in opposition of us as we're trying to pursue the things that maybe he has for us. He says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy with God? I say it again. If you wanna be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? Do you think that God's word, God's teaching, God's desire for your life has no meaning? Are you struggling today because you're unwilling to give it 110% and you're still that 50, 60% throttle? I'll give you some, I'll give you this, but this is dated, this doesn't apply to me. I can still live this way. I can still pursue these things. And because of that, as you hold back, God can't give you what he has. God can't deal with the brokenness in your life. God can't set you free 
because you've put yourself at odds. You put yourself at odds with him. And it says, do you think, again, do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful. Say faithful. Faithful to him. That's devoted to him. Committed to him. Right? Should be faithful. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Anytime that, that we dismiss God's desire for our lives, God's word, or anything else like that, anytime that we do that, we've taken the position of being proud, too proud. We think that we know better. And right here, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, not the perfect, those that submit themselves to him, who, who are intimate with him, close to him, who love him that way. He's not looking for perfection, but he, he will give grace abundantly to those of us that recognize our shortcomings and our failures and realize that he needs to be Lord of all. And he'll extend that grace and he'll carry you along. I can't tell you how much my life has changed. And it's not because I have it all together. It's because I'm, I'm able to experience God's grace more significantly because I spend less time opposing him these days and more time saying, God, I'm so stupid, please help me. Right, that's what he's looking for. So again, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It goes on in verse seven. It says, so humble yourselves before God. Rather than being at war, rather than being at odds, recognize God for who he is. Humble yourselves before God. Resist, say resist. Resist the devil. Resist sin. Stop giving in at every turn. I run into people and it's like, I failed, I just can't get it together. And it's like, it's like no effort. It's like, I remember one time, my son, I asked him to cut some vegetables. I can't remember what it was. Um, and it was like the simplest task. And I mean, he was like 13 at the time. And it's like, and I even showed him, said, here it is. And I sliced it and I said, about this thick, just cut it. And he grabs the knife and everything. And he's like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, just, just cut it. I don't know how. And that's what we do with things in our life. Like something will come up and be like, I can't do it. And we just, we just, we just flake. We just fall over. This, just immediately, without any opposition. There's no resistance there, right? We just, we, just, we just convinced ourselves there's absolutely nothing that we can do to stand in opposition to whatever it is that's driving us. And we make no effort. We blame God for not moving. We blame God for not answering prayers. And a lot of times, it's just our, un our unwillingness to, to submit ourselves to him and put in just the tiniest bit of effort, just the tiniest bit. And, and you know what? The measure we give, that's what we receive. And if we're putting nothing in, we're getting nothing back. And so he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's not resist the devil and you'll be locked in this epic battle and whoever's strongest that day will win. I mean, that's nonsense. I mean, because of Jesus, like what began at the cross has given us victory over things in our life. I don't know if you know that. And it's not a war that's waging on unless we allow it to be. That it's resist the devil, he's done. We just have to recognize what God's done. We just have to walk in the authority he's given us. We just have to walk in the love that he's placed in our hearts already and pursue him. And when we do that, we can stand 
strong. We can, we can, with the help of Jesus, overcome these things. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I love this. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Pursue him. Again, point number two, it's developed through intimacy. That love is come close to God and he'll come close to you. It's not like a scorned spouse that you're trying to make up with, right? And they're like rolling over in the bed and, and tucking the covers tight. That's not God's demeanor or attitude towards this. It's, it's open arms. He's ready to receive us, but we've got to come close to him. That, that if there's an issue, I got news for you. The issue is yours. It, it's on your side. You, you're the one missing it in the relationship here. You, you come close to God and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. That's the kind of love that God's calling us to. Again, it's a sacrificial type of love. It's, it's an, it's an all-in kind of love, and it, it requires us to be devoted to God, that, that we have a choice, love God or love the world. And that love God is, is sacrificial love. That's agape love. And if you're not coming in there, if you're coming in milkshake love, that ain't gonna cut it. Man, you're still loving the world. Like that, that's where you're at, right? It's, it's in everything. It's in everything. And it says your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Lastly, how do we maintain this type of sacrificial love? Like it began at the cross, right? When we realize what he's done for us, it's developed by pursuit, right? You can't be stagnant. And it's gonna take more than a Sunday and a Monday. It's gonna take, it's gonna take a, every weekday, like an attitude, day in, day out of pursuit, and it's developed. But how do you maintain it? Point number three is this. It's maintained through discipline. Say discipline. So many of us lack discipline. Um, I lack discipline. I, I, I lack it in so many areas of my life. One of the most significant areas I lack it is with Amazon, right? I just, I just, I can't, I can't help myself. I go to the bathroom and I've ordered $50 worth of stuff. Um, and we, we can't treat, we can't treat God that way, right? There's gotta be a discipline and devotion to what he's calling us to. And through that, through that, that love's grown. That when it comes to, to pursuing God, you've got, You've got two directions, forward and backwards. And, and so often we, we convince ourselves that we can hang out in neutral and just maintain. There, there's no maintaining. That, that again, it, it's maintained through discipline and, and you've got you've to pursue him. It's intimate. And, and that's the only way to continue to develop this type of love. I love, uh, I love the book of 1 John. And I want to share with you out of 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And it says this, it says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. And I love that. He just kind of lays it out there. This is the purpose. So that you would not sin. And I just want to rest on that for just a moment. So that tells us that we can do something about the crap in our lives. Stop going around with the attitude that you're just defeated. That's, that's bull. Begin to again, put just a little bit of effort. But he said, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. Say Advocate. So too often we run away from God in shame, that, that we run away from God in guilt. But, but Jesus is our advocate. And, and John says here, if you do fall, if you do miss it, 
if you do mess up, you get to hold on to the fact that, that Jesus is our advocate, somebody who argues on your behalf, somebody who, who pleads your case before God. And, and oftentimes we treat Jesus the advocate as someone we should run away from. If we run away from the one arguing our case, where's that leave us, right? If you, you were, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but, but I have a feeling there's several people in here who have been to court for different things. I'm just gonna go out on a limb there that, that some of us have, have been before a judge. And if you haven't, maybe you've watched Matlock or, or some NCAIS or, or one of those things. And so if, if you were in a courtroom and your, your lawyer, which is your advocate, is there to plead your case before the judge and, and you, you were in opposition of him and you went to the other side and ran from him, well, you're now on the prosecution side. You've got two places to be, right? We learned that point number two. You're with the world, you're with God. And so if Jesus is your advocate, if you're running away from him, you've now sided with prosecution. Where does that leave you? No wonder you struggle. No, no wonder you're not getting it. But, it. but again, it says, I'm writing this to you so you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. We have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones. That word atones, it, it's amends compensation, that not only do we have an advocate and an attorney and somebody who's standing there pleading our case, but when the sentence is passed, he takes it. He said, I'm going to step up. Whatever it is, I'm paying for it. Whatever fine you might be levied, whatever it is, right? Jesus is not only our advocate, but he's the one that atones, that pays the debt, that takes care of it. And he goes on and he says, for our sins and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And then in, in verse three, it goes, and we can be sure that we know him when we obey his commandments. So when we talk about love, it comes through a discipline. It says we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. That's God's word, right? It's something that's available to all of us. And, and too often we try to navigate life, try to navigate recovery, try to navigate relationships. And, and we, don't, we don't know what his word says. Oh, how can we follow it? How can we be faithful to it? As if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. That's, that's harsh words. That's harsh words. And I think back to, to all the times I struggled in addiction and, and these things I struggle in. And, and anytime I, I'm up to a place where I know what God wants me to do and I refuse that I don't love God. He's not in me. I mean, look, look at what it says. It says if someone claims I know God, but doesn't obey his commandments, that person is a liar. And then it goes on. It says, but those, say but those. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. How completely devoted they are to him. How much they desire to be with him. Again, uh, I can't help but to think of my relationship with my wife. And, and there's times that, that she asked me to do things that I may not understand. But if, if they're not immoral and it's not abusive, right, and it's out of love, 
that, that I should meet that need, right? I should, I should, be the, I should have a type of obedience to, to the desires of her heart. And, and if I don't, if I'm indifferent, over time, my wife may become under the sneaking suspicion that I don't care for her. And she would be right, right? If, if I'm indifferent to everything that she has, it, the relationship with God, that pursuit, that love for him is the same. If, if we're indifferent to what he's called us to, if, he's, if we're indifferent to what he's commanded us to, how can we at the same time confess with our mouth a love for him? And we say, God, I love you. Your word has no place in 2023. It's dated. It, your, your word has no place in my life because this, this right here, I, I know you say I should be pure in my relationships, but, but I really wanna try it before I buy it, you know, before I put a ring on it, I mean, and, and do that. Well, when we're doing that, we're, God has no place in our life. And, and God's word tells us that we should be pure of mind, right? Not, not, not intoxicated or, or those types of things. And when we come to those places, like, well, it's, it's okay to, to party on the weekends. I'm, I'm taking care of my business. I'm showing up to church. I'm going to recovery. But we step into that place. What does that say about our heart towards God? That, that if we want to cherry pick, if we want to pick and choose, if we don't want to fully submit, if we want to twist his word, what does that say about the condition of our heart towards him? And again, it says, but those, those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. Those who obey God's word, that, that, that's the measure for, for what's really in here in regards to God. Our, our discipline, our devotion, our, our obedience to what he's called us to. It's not how often you show up to church. Though, if you're obedient to God's word, you'll be here. Not how much time you spend in prayer. But again, if you're obedient to God's word, you'll pray. Right? It, it's not those things, those outward expressions. It, it's how obedient we're truly being to what he's called us to. Again, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And we know how Jesus lived because God's given us his word, right? Jesus was the visible example in demonstration of an invisible God. And, and that's, that's the call. That's, that's the measure. That's what we should pursue. And again, point number three, maintaining that type of sacrificial love is maintained through discipline. A recap tonight. Point number one is this, that the, the unconditional, sacrificial love, it begins with the cross. It begins with the recognition of what Jesus has done in our lives, what he's atoned for, what he's paid for. Number two, it's developed through intimacy, through, through a closeness, through a pursuit. Again, his word says, come close to me, and I'll come close to you. And as we come close to him, that love's developed in our lives. And lastly, it's maintained through discipline. That as we recognize what he's done, as we come close to him, the, the result of that, the response of that should be an obedience, a discipline to following him. Our action steps tonight are this. One, begin to look at your life through the lens of what God has done for you. I don't know about you, but when I look back at all all the negativity in my life, all the, 
all the horrible things I've done. And, and I realized that God dealt with them and paid for them, advocated for me, atoned for them, right? All of that, it does something to me. It, it, it's so significant. It's so profound that God would take somebody like me and, and set me free and save me and sacrifice himself for me. So we need to begin to look at our lives through that, realizing, again, if you're in the camp of thinking somehow you earned it, open your eyes. Open your eyes to what he's done. Number two, spend time in his word and his presence. That love's grown through intimacy, closeness. You can't be in a relationship and be absent the majority of the time. You've got to pursue him. You've got to endeavor to, to know him. And number three, draw lines in the sand and begin living in a way that lines up with his desire. You've got to know where you stand. You've got to know the boundaries. You can't be all gas, no brakes in every area of life, and you can't have no standard of living. God's called us to something. Again, that we've got to be disciplined in our pursuit. Recognize that there's things that are off the table for us. It's not a free-for-all. Begin to draw those lines in the sand. And over time, develop that love for him. And so, you know, I know this, that this is one of those messages, man. It, it speaks to the Christians in the room, right? Those of us who, who proclaim that faith. But, but you may be in here and, and you may have never have made that decision, right? You've never committed and, and maybe you've been on the fence for a really long time. You're like, I, don't, I just don't know. I just, I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't get it. And, and maybe tonight there's just been something, something growing inside of you. I know many years ago, I sat in a seat similar to these and, and there was just something in my heart where I began to believe and, and to understand and to realize and desire something different. And so if that's you tonight and, and you're, you're ready to lay it all down, right? To, to be all in and to pursue God with everything. And, and, and if that's you, that here in just a moment, we're gonna have some people up front and they would love to pray with you and for you so that, that you can come into a relationship with Jesus tonight, maybe for the first time. And maybe you're in here and, and you've done that. You've gotten off track. You've missed it. You've messed up, right? You, you were friends with the world instead of friends with God. And you want to know, can you come back home? Can you recommit? Can you, can you have a second go or a third? Absolutely. And so we have the same offer for you here in just a moment. We're going to have some people up front. They would love to pray with you and for you so you can recommit your life tonight. And then maybe, maybe tonight you just you had a realization that there's been things in your life that, that made you friends with the world. And, and there's, there's areas where you should have drawn a line, but, but you've indulged and said, and there's something that you need to set down tonight. I would encourage you to come up front and grab one of our white chips. There's nothing special, special about them. It's just a piece of plastic, but there's something significant about when we act out of faith, when we, when we step out of our seat, when we come down here and we say, God, this is yours. And so if that's you, if there's something you need to lay down, I would encourage you to come up front grab one of these white chips and it's just for you. It's between you and God so you know that you've given this over to him, that you've submitted this area of your life to him and to his will. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. Using somebody to journey with you, to pray over you. If that's you tonight, same thing. I, I just wanna encourage you here in just a moment, step out of your seats, come down front. 
let us pray with you. Let us journey with you. So for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a chip or to receive prayer, we wanna encourage you to, to again, to, to just come down front with us. And if everybody would, if you would stand to your feet as we close in worship.